Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, there are drugs that cause uh, hallucinations, schizophrenia, manic depression. Oh, oh. These dudes on the corner claim the Israelites, and you are too. As long as you're not a Edomite, the white man. They use the Bible for their racism. Yeah, they even hate women. And it's about time that we deal with this. Too exposed to false doctrines. They a bunch of hypocrites. The praise, praise, man. I know they not saved. Oh, you don't believe me? Check out how they behave. A bunch of guys trying to find identity. It needs to be in Christ's vocab. We got the remedy. But they ice and deep Deuteronomy 28. They actually think it's about the slave trade. This doctrine causes so much destruction to minorities. The consumption only leads into your corruption. I'm patient with them, yo, I love them. So, so, sit down for this discussion. If you're trusting in the law, then you're doomed. Because God's holiness will have you totally consumed. He don't want your best, he wants perfection. Trust in Christ alone, not in your complexion. From your heart determines if you're true, is it light? Not your melon in the nation, y'all, let's get it right. Don't matter if you're Gentile or Jew. The gospel is a hope, yeah, that can make you new. If you're trusting in the law, then you're doomed. Because God's holiness will have you totally consumed. He don't want your best, he wants perfection. Trust in Christ alone, not in your complexion. From your heart determines if you're true, is it light? Not your melon in the nation, y'all, let's get it right. Don't matter if you're Gentile or Jew. The gospel is a hope, yeah, that can make you new. Too many errors, where should I begin? How about the fact that they believe that Christ sinned? They affirm reincarnation that he was one Solomon. If Jesus sinned, he's no better than Muhammad then. And if that's not appalling, more to criticize. The person and work of Christ, they also minimize. They reduce him, caboose him, and scripture they misuse him. Believe they are God too, so I guess they reproduce him. Don't get me started on this false gospel they promote. Facebook works won't justify any soul. And if you think it does, you got a bad view of the law. Cause if you broke one, then you broke in a mall there. Doctrine only brings confusion, spiritual delusion. I believe the constantly in evolution, yo. Assertions are never proven, always assuming I got the solution. Trust in Christ, perfect substitution. And if you don't, then all of you will perish. Salvation ain't based on the color of your parents. And if your low Christology isn't corrected, you'll see the true God of Israel, not yours expected. Cause he's fully God and he's fully human. This glorious doctrine called the hypostatic union. Jesus came to save man for every tongue, tribe, and nation. Men from all races will thank him and praise him. And if you don't, then all of you will perish. Salvation ain't based on the color of your parents. And if your low Christology isn't corrected, you'll see the true God of Israel, not yours expected. Cause he's fully God and he's fully human. This glorious doctrine called the hypostatic union. Jesus came to save man for every tongue, tribe, and nation. Men from all
Radio. Hopefully I can be heard. Let me know if I can, ladies and gentlemen. Check this, check this, check this. We are bringing a brand new show today to you. My name is Vocab Malone. We do urban apologetics. You can call in at 917-889-2233. And of course, check us out at blogtalkradio.com slash shield squad. First song was by Chris Kada Williams. He is a member of Shield Squad, brand new in fact. And that's his track called Pseudo Israelites. I played that because the brother just uh, three days ago, I believe, released a video for it. He had already, excuse me, it's that time of year, ladies and gentlemen, got a little cough. He had already put out a, a lyric video, but this one's got visual. So I encourage you. So please check it out. His YouTube page is K-Dub True. So I'm uh, hoping some Shield Squad members join in here. And uh, I'm going to do a quick sound check. But in the meantime, this is the time to share the show. That's right. Please share the show. We are dependent really upon our fellowship base to really make this happen. Otherwise, there really is no Shield Squad because we we do this for y'all, you know what I mean? I mean, ultimately, the glory of God, what it's like, you guys encourage us, you know? All right, so I'm doing my mic check real quick. Give me just a second here. All right, we are good. <clears throat> Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm excited about today's show. I'm going to read a uh, scripture verse to kind of get things set off here. Again, 917-889-2233. BlogTalkRadio.com slash Shield Squad. The scripture verse comes out of Galatians. Galatians. This is a uh, letter that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to churches in the region of Galatia. It seems like there is more than one. And uh, this seems like what is referred to as a circular letter. In the sense that uh, it got passed around by multiple folks. And um, I am going to read something here. I'm going to start with a familiar familiar section and then move backwards. But uh, I'm going to read quite a few verses to explain it. I think this helps set up some of the show. And um, we're going to be talking about angry cities today. That's right, angry cities. And how the angrier the city gets, it seems like. We're going to get more One West-type Hebrew Israelites. We'll explain that as time goes on. By the way, if uh, somebody's listening from Shield Squad, can somebody text or hit up G-Con? Because uh, he's supposed to be joining me. I don't know what happened to the brother. But let me read here out of Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 22, where the fruit of the Spirit. Now notice it says the fruit, not the fruits, meaning this is a, a package deal. That's why the the uh, <coughs> singular is used there. 
And the fruit only comes if something is um, planted first. And in a sense, that which is planted in the case is the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit indwells, empowers, and energizes the life of God's people. And here's what is produced. There are nine things listed, and um, we could break these down for days on end. But let me just read this. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so there's all these questions about um, what is lawful and what is not lawful. And here the point is that these characteristics, which are godlike, Christ-like characteristics, are certainly not against the law. And really, as you read the whole of the New Testament, understand they're the true fulfillment and uh, meaning and spirit of the law. And if you belong to Christ, if you are his, Scripture says your flesh, those old passions and desires, have been crucified. That means they're supposed to be dead and put away along with that old man. But that's not all. We also live by the Spirit. So the way we live is by uh, the Holy Spirit. And and that what that means is we walk by the Spirit. Notice Walk means progression. It's a continual step, 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 step. And if we do that, we will not become conceited because we'll realize that these characteristics show up not because we're so great, but because the Spirit is producing his work in us. And so if we are conceited and we think it's of our own goodness, that provokes the other believers because we envy them and uh, creates all kinds of problems. But now go back. Let's go back to verse 16. Let me grab some water here. Again, the number is uh, 917-889-2233. It's 917-889-2233. And uh, if you are part of Shield Squad, please call in. We always like to have you all in the beginning, of course. And um, we take questions towards the end. But uh, let me get my drink of water here real quick here before I start reading. Excuse me. <clears throat> All right. Hopefully that does well. <clears throat> Arizona, man, we don't have the cold, but it's still, man, you got to keep it together in the winter. A lot of stuff going around. All right, here we go, starting in verse 16. So this is going backwards to get the context. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Notice how uh, the beginning and ending of this section are both enveloped by this walk by the spirit language in direct contrast to this desire of the flesh language because it says walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. So these are two opposing things. One brings glory to God and one really brings glory to self, right? And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. 
for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, that's, that's a powerful verse right there. And what that shows is that as the Spirit is active and present in a believer's life, what this shows is that they're no longer under uh, a pre-Christian, a pre-New Covenant system. It's, it's a different thing going on here, and that's why it's called a New Covenant, right? It doesn't mean that we don't keep the laws. You're going to see, and remember, Paul also talks about how this uh, fruit of the Spirit um, is really a fulfillment of the law, really. But let's, let's continue on here with verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality. And how do we uh, get that? We understand what is sexually immoral from the laws that the Lord has laid down for his people for all, all time. So this is not something where there's a contradiction because we understand it because we see what was against the law. It's not like, um, for example, homosexuality all of a sudden becomes okay since we're led by the Spirit. Uh, but as we're led by the Spirit um, – what we understand to be works of the flesh and things that are fruit of the Spirit, part of it is informed morally by what God has already said. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So clearly – this is not an exhaustive list. It was not meant to be. But now look at this. These first and foremost apply to God's people in the sense that they're supposed to be led by the Spirit and not be walking in these other things. However, these other things are products, just like there's fruit of the Spirit. These other things are fruits of the flesh, fruit of the flesh, that is. And so they're products of a life that is not Guarded and guided by the Spirit. Enmity, that means separations and hatred in the midst of that strife. That's a constant bitterness back and forth. Jealousy, fits of anger, outburst where uh, anger is in control. The person's simple desire for revenge and things like that. Rivalries, you know, these factions, dissensions, um, constantly breaking things up, divisions, separation, not unity. Envy. Now, you know we're an urban apologetic show, and you know we talk about Hebrews delights. And what we're going to show and, and uh, kind of make a hypothesis is that as these things fester in the city, that Hebrew Israelites experience direct growth from them. They don't grow when people are walking by the Spirit because their whole religion appeals to the flesh. And you can see that by, why the, by the way the camps, especially the One West camps, operate. They clearly operate in this manner I've just laid out. And so it feeds off of each other. Let's continue on. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on where we began, where it says the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, got somebody on the line. We're going to bring them up, see how they're doing today. 469, welcome to Shield Squad Radio. Who are you and where are you calling from? Kato, man, from the Dallas area. What's going on? Right on. This is Kato, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know, we began the show with your 
song, so let me give you some love here. Oh, yeah, appreciate the, it. You know, we got the applause going on, man. Let me <laughs> turn it up a little bit. People can know, man. Where, where, why, why are you playing? There we go. <laughs> I get the low clap. Right. All right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, yeah, I'm glad you called. Uh, if you, you know, I know you're kind of in and out of stuff, so if you can, if you got to, just let us know if you got to kind of put us on a pause or whatever. But, uh, right. you know, today, let me kind of read the description of the show, and then uh, I'll let you chime in based upon what you've heard so far. It's titled, as of now, Angry Cities Equals More Hebrew Israelites. And uh, here's what it says. The more rage festers in the city, the more likely one West Camps will experience increased growth and influence. The urban apologists from Shield Squad share their real-life experiences on the street supporting this hypothesis. In essence, anger is a top-selling aspect of Hebrew Israelism's sales pitch to the disenfranchised. And uh, so that's, that's kind of where we're going. And um, I got a uh, – excuse me. <clears throat> I got a video. has not been put out yet, but it will be put out uh, either today or tomorrow, which – it's brief. It's just a little anecdotal snapshot, but it tries to uh, give evidence to some of this this hypothesis. Because what we're trying to do here, the reason why I wanted to do this, K-Dub, is because, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the back and forth. Oh, this guy made a song, and this guy uh, put out a video, and did you see this guy's hangout, and this and that, right? <coughs> well, you know, that's important. we got to be down there in the trenches. But I want to sometimes step back and look at the larger picture and ask some meta questions. You know, meta means kind of this larger thing where we, we step back and say, what's really going on? And try to understand broad trends and general patterns. Because that understanding, if we're wise and discerning in it, will give us um, better um, information so we know what to do in that climate. So, yeah, man, I'd like to hear what you have to say, K-Dub. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, so... You know, I've been going out to you know the Dallas area to engage with like a uh, a lot of the a lot of the camps and yeah you can you can definitely see what you're talking about just kind of the uh, anger and the build up that they kind of really feed to the people and really one of the things I've been noticing is uh, like the emotionalism they feed to like you said disenfranchised people to people uh, minority to people who may feel they are at the bottom the emotional arguments that are extended to them, you know, almost as to like relate. And so like, almost like, Hey, I relate with you brother. You know what I mean? Um, there was actually one experience where this uh, black man walked up and, you know, they'll very embrace you at first. If you just kind of like, Hey, I want to, what's going on. I want to learn. They'll brother you up. You know, they'll make you feel welcome. But the moment you start disagreeing, that's when all things break loose, you know. You get called coon, and, and like, just, just real real fast, like a, a snap of a finger, everything just busts loose. But just the emotionalism of, uh, you know, their embrace, you know, I think feeds into a lot of people's emotions and, uh, you know, really kind of uh, feeds to their narrative, you know, especially, you know, since the, 
in this culture, you know, with being a lot of uh, racist climate or a, a lot of racist tension at the very least, you know, I think it just feeds into a lot of the arguments they want to make. Yeah, and because um, we have to stop and ask ourselves, okay, um, what are the possible reasons for growth of Hebrew Israelism? And um, like with anything, it's never just one thing. Now, we know right. the Hebrew Israelites, so-called, um, uh, believe their own chronological uh, fairy tale, they tell themselves, and that this is a time when Yahawashai is about to come back with uh, black angels and, and IFOs to zap away Edomites with lasers and heat waves. But they would claim that wakening up is happening to prepare for that. But anybody who's uh, got YouTube should know better than to trust a one Wester's uh, understanding of the times and seasons and uh, to not want to be burned by their reading of the tea leaves, as it were, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so to those who might not remember, uh, you've recently compiled a video documenting some of this. You've got a video called The Heresy of the Hebrew Israelites. I forget the exact title. And in that section, right. you have a little bit about some of their false prophecies, right? Right, right. So tell people if they don't know about this video and especially about the false prophecy section. Yeah, um, yeah. You guys can find my channel at uh, Kdub True, uh, K D U B T R U on YouTube. And I'm um, in the video. I just pile up really a lot of uh, what your <laughs> what your average person would just think is loony, loony. Um, just things they say, you know. You know, in the video, they're making a lot of um, anachronistic, you know, historical revisionist. Uh, claims, you know, disclaiming, you know, certain people are black when, no, they're not. Um, but the main thing that, you know, the prophecies, they, they, you know, a lot of them were echoing the 2000 prophecy back in the 90s, that, you know, that the Lord was going to come back or Yahweh was going to come back and, uh, you know, establish his kingdom. And clearly <laughs> that didn't happen. And uh, I actually saw a funny video where, a guy was like, everybody thought that, he, you know, they're posting these videos of all these people freaking out, talking about Y2K, as if that's, like, justification for why they got it wrong, you know. But, yeah, that, that's one of their false prophecies. Uh, so far, I'm hearing 2019 is a new date. And, right. I mean, the Lord can do what he wants, but we'll see, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, um, some of the defenses I've heard – for the 2000 date that the one West school set and that the uh, foot soldiers out there at times square so proudly proclaimed are things like what you said. They've got a, a couple of different types of excuses they utilize. Right. And, um, you know, they want to act like things are all different now, but we're dealing with the leadership that a lot of it is the same people who are involved with the thing back, back then, like Tahar, Nathaniel. I mean, even when you want to talk about, Tazadakia and Arya, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yohana. I mean, this ain't like uh, irrelevant. You know, this wasn't 1,000 years ago, right? This was 1999. Right. Really, I mean, they began talking about this in like 94, I think, 95. Yeah, yeah. And everybody Early didn't is. think this. 
certainly uh, there's people who did say this, but it's not right. true that everybody thought it. I mean, um, I remember back then Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible Answer Man, was constantly um, calling out people who were date setting with Y2K. Right. And, you know, it came and went, and uh, he was right and they were wrong. So right. they didn't even like that. <laughs> right. But uh, by the way, if you want to talk and you've called in, I see we got the callers. Make sure you hit one, or I won't know you want to talk. I'll assume you're just listening. But again, please share the show. We didn't really get to announce this before we dropped it. So 917-889-2233. Just text the number to your friend or something like that. Tell them, hey, call in, listen to this, check this out. Also, blogtalkradio.com slash shield squad. So so my point by that is (coughs) they might say, oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, his people are waking up, whatever, whatever, whatever. But – uh. We are saying um, that uh, we don't want to take their word for it at the very least. So we want to ask ourselves, what are some other factors for some of the growth? And it's never just one thing. It's usually multiple things. Like there's a book that Rodney Stark, who's a sociologist, has called The Rise of Christianity, where he discusses the growth of the early church. Now, I don't agree with everything he writes in that book. He's actually not even a, a Christian when he wrote that book. Uh, but nonetheless, he has some helpful insight in it, and I think we can do some of the same thing here. And one of the components of Hebrew Israelism's selling point to the disenfranchised is basically, hey, we're super pissed off right now, so we must be right. Now, right. I understand that uh, someone's going to be like, that's not, that's not what it is. It's a prophecies and this and that, whatever. That's just, yeah, that's just you believe in your religion, but check it out. Here's what it is. I run into people on the street who say – basically what i'm saying and uh right. you deal with um that older man <laughs> with young body right. one body in your habashai and i mean sometimes he seems like an okay guy but he seems awfully awfully angry like right. i mean what's the type of stuff he says out there and uh i mean would you describe i mean maybe he's not really like that do you think he's putting on an act i mean what is going on like because he's a camp leader Right, yeah, man. It's man, it's so hard to like know these guys. Like that's some of the hardest thing. You know, you you try to you know, at least from my perspective, you know, like hey, man, I just want to get to know you as a person. Like you know, let's let's talk. You know, and you see a lot of hesitancy from them. Them, but the time I did have an off dialogue with him, he was a pretty funny guy. You know, I felt like man, he's a guy you know you just be in the barbershop just laughing laughing with you know but um yeah when there matter of fact there was another guy that was preaching from the same camp uh we had a similar dialogue it was nice and cordial but then when he got the microphone he put on the show and i even called him out for that and he he kind of agreed like yeah that's what he was doing and so <laughs> you know he admitted to putting on a show for his for the camera and for his people and you know, that that just makes it really hard to engage with people when they're not really willing to be genuine. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, and part of this is um, not coming from um, – th- these observations, they're not coming from sitting around, watching a bunch right. of videos. They're coming nah. from being out on the street with these guys, talking to these guys. And the reason why I want to do this because I went out there recently, and here's what I saw. When I say growth of the camps, I'm not just talking about 
um, you know, more and more websites and whatever. Like, I'm seeing a few things. Number one is places I visited before where I ran into a camp. Now they've got more members. Mm-hmm. And in one case, a place I used to go to talk to these guys, the camp split in half. So in a way, they doubled like an amoeba, you know, because uh, they've got more members, but it's split in two. Then not, not only that, but since I began hitting these guys up on the street, uh, two new camps started hitting out there on the streets. Here, this is – so I'm speaking of my city, Phoenix, Arizona, everybody. And um, they're on corners now where they never were. If a person wanted to or they lived here in Phoenix – you could spend all day traveling from location to location if you knew the exact times that they meet and set up, interacting with Hebrews Lights. You could start at 10 a.m. in the morning with IUIC and end yep. at 7 o'clock in the night on the west side of town with the GOCC-styled uh, camp. Like, it's, yep. it's crazy. And, and in, you'd be busy same. in the meantime, you know? Yeah, and it, same, that's like That's like you in Dallas, right? Yeah. You got you got a uh, IUIC post up like at ten thirty eleven. Well, uh, one one body Yahweh one body Yahweh shop actually meets on the same block, same spot as them at two. Then you got uh, Sakari that's at three, and then well Friday night you got GMS that meets at like six seven. So, I mean, you got it all right there on the like, and it's all in walking distance, half a mile apart, all of it. Right. Well, you guys sometimes have a UPK out there too, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I've never engaged with them yet, but yeah, they're on the same block. So it's like that in my city as well. And um, Phoenix got urban sprawl, so you could walk to some of them, but you'd have to drive to some because one of these camps, the GOCC style camp. The reason I say GOCC style is because I know they hold those types of beliefs, but I have not ascertained yet if they're actually official GOCC. Or if they're just uh, kind of imitating them, because I talked to Elder Gabar, who's kind of like uh, high up in the GOCC food chain, and he was telling me how they had a lot, a lot of like knockoff camps who use the name Ahaya just like GOCC does, teaches similar doctrines like what they call the Stranger Doctrine in relationship to so-called foreigner Gentiles or whatever, whatever. But nonetheless, they're actually not technically GOCC, so I don't know about this West Side camp. I do know they're kind of like GOCC. Anyways, that's going on now. This IUIC camp to be setting up over here at 32nd Thomas, they've grown like like crazy mad over the past year. They they left their school they were at on Indian School and 31st Avenue. It was a tiny little office suite, and now they got a big old storefront over there in Dunlap and wow. 19th Avenue. Now, if you're not in Phoenix, I know these street names mean nothing to you, but what I'm trying to do is hammer in the reality of it. Now, all this right. is happening within a certain mile radius of my house where I live. I don't live in the suburbs. I don't sit around on videos. I literally pass these guys and run into them on a regular basis just if I'm out doing errands or whatever, whatever, right? That's how it is, okay? And so we're trying to explain to Christians, especially these camps are growing in numbers. Now, in a second, we're going to talk about how they're growing in influence. But first, let me, let me see who else we got on the line. 501, welcome to Shield Squad Radio. Who are you? Who are we talking to? This is, 501. You know me, Hello? Hey, 501. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How you can doing, you 501? Me? Yes, I can. Who I'm is great. this? Where Thanks you calling from? You know me as Lasagna Crutchfield from Facebook, but Karma oh, yeah. Crump from YouTube and Hangouts, right? You know, I have your phone. Right. 
And I just wanted to uh, say you're doing a great thing. I'm so, I'm just so thankful for you. But I wanted to know, since, you know, Hebrew Israelite, they base everything on their skin color, what role do you think the black church is playing in this great falling away? Everybody from, you know, Hebrew Israelite, a lot of them used to be Christians, they say. But if the black church was preaching and teaching the way they were supposed to, we would never be in this mess right now. So I just wanted to know, what role do you feel that the black church has played in people leaving the faith and going to right. the uh, heretical well, Hebrew Israelites? let's talk about that. I have a few things to say, and then I'll tell you what I think, yeah. and then I, I'd like to hear your thoughts. So let's just interact. There's a few things to say about that. Uh, one is what I've noticed is some of these men caught up in these camps have had um, the flesh running the show since day one. And what I mean by that is they wanted something out of religion that the gospel wasn't going to give them. They wanted right. vengeance. and They wanted a um, Django in the sky God. And it wasn't there in their church or in the pages of the Bible. And so they fell away really because the flesh was running the show since day one. I'm not going to say that's the only factor. I'm going to list a couple. But that's one of them, Lasagna. What, what do you think, K-Dub, about that first aspect? What do you all think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely uh, I think that's uh, a lot, like you said, not the only thing, but one of the things for sure. Right. And then another thing that I think is, is the case is – um. <clears throat> it's not entirely what we might call the historic black church's fault. Uh, some of the blame can be placed at the mainstream evangelical church as well, which is largely white, uh, not only, but, you know, kind of largely, uh, because of years of neglect, lack of cooperation and brotherhood, and even um, throughout time, unfortunately, strict overt racism and bigotry and prejudice – and, uh, you know, sometimes more covert racism, bigotry, and prejudice. And so I also think there's some aspects of this that needs to say, you know what? Uh, the mainstream evangelicals uh, um, could could have done a better job on, on some of this stuff as well. That's the second thing that I, 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 I would say. Now, thirdly, kind of getting directly to what you said, Lasagna, um, there are some unhealthy aspects to what's happening right now in uh, the historic black church. And when I say historic, uh, it's not really all historic in the sense of um, – like, for example, Creflo Dollar, for example. He, Creflo Dollar might come out of like a uh, – kind of like that tradition, right? But, I mean, I don't really feel like he represents that tradition. Like right. – like, it's hard to place a, a person like a Creflo Dollar. Are they really part of the historic black church? Well, he uses some of the same um, style and whatever, but he, it, it, like, it's kind of a new thing, this hardcore prosperity gospel over-the-top thing going on. And so I, I call it the historic black church, but I even feel hesitant saying that when I think of a person like a Creflo Dollar or some of these other right. um, you know, folks that um, shame themselves. Yeah, say that and some others, you know? Even ones who have crossover appeal into the black church, like Rod Parsley, who's uh, from my right. city. So, looking at that, I do think that's a legitimate issue. Um, and the BD Anwab Anwablele, I always mess up his last name. 
He's got a book called The Decline of African-American Theology. And what he shows is how uh, even though it was not uh, always given a chance to be as, quote, sophisticated as their white counterparts, black theology has always been really solid in America in a lot of ways, despite many trials, toils, and snares. And um, uh, it's, it's basically with the influence of things like liberation theology and some other aspects uh, – not done better recently it's kind of got worse in some ways so there's a recent decline as well that faces into this and then maybe lastly there's an overall secularization of the culture that where the church including the black church loses some of its influence in the communities in which it held great sway but I do agree there's a lot of shenanigans going on and that is part of the problem but it's difficult to ever say if they wouldn't have uh, proceeded to let people like Cruffalo Dollar in the door, maybe this would have never happened. I mean, we've got right. cults since day one, and um, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like what level do we think who's at fault where? But I will say this. This is the last thing, and I'll see what K-Dub and Lasagna have to say. Check it. There is something on the preventative side. And what I mean by that is, you know, we're out there on the street. We're, we're dealing with the... Um, we're, we're in reactive mode. You know, they're setting up camp, and we're going out there talking to people who are already up in this thing, right? That's not preventative necessarily. That's reactive, right? Well, preventative is these churches getting healthy, robust, gospel-centered, Christ-centered, involved in the community, and caring about what's going on and caring about Scripture, right? That's preventative because I do think there would be less of a falling away if the gospel was front and center, um, um, you would have a, a stronger backbone, in the, you know, in, in the real church, right? So um, I do think that's an issue, but uh, that preventative side is kind of the tougher side because who, us in Shield Squad um, aren't currently any of us pastors, not leading churches. So we've got to find ways to work with local churches to give them whatever they can, and pastors who are open and willing to figure out. Some of this together. Not that we come in and we're charged. No, 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 no. They're the shepherds of their flocks. But just to be a resource and a tool for them as they recognize this growing problem. And I think somebody like Adam Coleman, aka Scott Lane, who's in Shield Squad, he's actually been doing a great job of working with pastors in that way. So I think he's a great yeah, example definitely. of that. So Kato, what do you think? And then I'd like to hear what Asani has to say. Yeah, man. I think you. I think you hit the nail. Hit the hammer on the nail, man. Uh, just with the. It's a twofold issue, you know. Um, yeah, there are a lot of unhealthy black churches, but like you said, I mean, who's to say they wouldn't have left? Because there are people that have left, you know, good churches or, you know, that they knew some of these things and they still went over there, you know. Um, but, but yeah, like you said, just um, helping churches become more robust, know how to deal with it. You know, that's why I'm doing I'm preparing a lesson to do at my church, though Though we're not, like, in Dallas, so it doesn't really affect a lot of people, per se, straight up, but we are 30 minutes from Dallas, so there's that, like, hey, we're not there, but it's close enough to where it could possibly hit home to some of the members, you know, and, you know, I definitely want to uh, prepare the people to deal with some of their claims. Right, so yeah, I guess what we're trying to say is we agree with you, but we also postulate 
that there's um, multiple reasons for this. But what are your thoughts back on some of that, Lasagna? Yeah, I think you did a great job explaining. But um, yesterday in church, I go to a very spiritual church, so we get to witness things that a lot of other churches don't. But it was said yesterday that uh, many people are lost because people that are in church are not in place. They're not doing what they're, they're, they are not doing what they're supposed to do. We're supposed to show people Christ-like, what is Christ-likeness, so they can want to come to our church. So I believe that's a big problem. We need to approach these people in the spirit of love. That's what we were commanded to do to begin with. And uh, these heretics, though, but I know that Apostle Paul, he was, he was very harsh when it came to heretics, though. But when it came to babes, Christians, weak Christians, he were he he treated them like the babes that they were. But my thing with the black church is it was it has always been bad theology with me. Everybody in the black church says they have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit teaches them whatever and they're not really they're not really studying that Bible the way they should be. They're not really getting an understanding that some of their scripture, they're like to spiritualize scripture instead of trying to get what was the true meaning behind what is said in scripture. You know that, and everything can be interpreted the same way because of the different genres of the book. And the black church is just missing a lot of that. They just weren't ready for these Hebrew Israelites. They just not, I don't think they're ready, but it was, it's been bad theology with me because before I got saved, all I wanted to do was listen to black preachers, but once I got saved and got in their word, I'm like, all I want to do is stay away from black preachers now because you get a lot of uh, spiritual lot. Like, everybody want to allegorize and spiritualize text instead of trying to find out the true meaning behind this text. But it, to me, it starts, though, with the spirit of love. So but that's all I got to say about that. No doubt. That's a good question and good insight and interaction. And um, thanks. I know you got the book and and uh, we're kind enough to, because I asked a couple people, hey, send me a picture of yourself reading the book. Do that. And I ended up utilizing one of those pictures for a cover image of a YouTube video. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Oh, I haven't probably. Go on my web, um, <laughs> youtube.com slash vocab Malone. I think it looks pretty mm-hmm. cool. It's, it's, it's oh, this okay. one called Every Every Urban Apologist Needs This Book. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Because I've, I've watched them all, I believe. I just probably don't remember. <laughs> I need to go it's back. It's just on the cover. I'm subscribed to your channel. Oh, it's just on the cover mm-hmm. image. Uh, unless, unless, uh, yeah, unless, unless I've got the uh, wrong person. But anyways, I don't think so. <laughs> but hey, yeah, I don't know because I did send you my picture. Yeah, yeah. See, because I asked a couple people and I got I got uh, like a dozen or so, and I told people, hey, I use mm-hmm. these to like show people reading the book. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I've been doing that a few times. So uh, yeah, check it out. There's a couple p- preachers. That um, you know, would be in the tradition uh, of the black pastor. I'd like to recommend to you that I think you would enjoy, such as uh, C. B. Charles, C. B. Charles, and he's uh, real good, does some really awesome stuff. And then also uh, Vodi Bakum, Vodi Bakum, V O D D I E. And then uh, I would yeah. even recommend uh, Eric Mason, Eric Mason. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I just got a book actually today that I had ordered from Brahman a Holman called Enduring Truth by Aaron Lavender. 
And uh, the subtitle is Restoring Sound Theology in Relevance to African-American Preaching. And uh, it's on B&H Academic, and it came out in 2016. And it's a, a really good book. It's not too much of a read. It's uh, barely around 100 pages. And it addresses mm-hmm. some of those things, and I think that's a, a real good look. And um, sometimes there's even some scholars, maybe not preachers as much, who, who are black in America that I recommend too. For example, Jarvis J. Williams and Walter Strickland mm-hmm. III are two at the top who do some really good stuff in that area. And uh, even though he's a little more controversial, I still think he has some good stuff. Uh, Southern Baptist pastor named Dwight McKissick in uh, Texas. So there's some good folks. Sometimes they're just unfortunately not as popular, but um, I hope that their ministries as they glorify God can be increased. But thanks a lot. Carmel Crunk. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to yeah, see. Yeah, but I'm uh, thankful that I found Shook Squad, though, because it did change my perspective on things. Well, hey, I'm Amen. curious. Uh, what made you interested in this type of ministry in the first place? Because not everybody is even interested in this urban apologetics as, as it relates to Hebrew Israelism. What was your uh, reason? I'm, I'm curious. Well, before I got saved, I used to see, I used to go to these, all these YouTube, YouTube channels, you know, black consciousness and all that. And I just used to see a lot of Hebrew Israelites. I didn't know what they were at the time, really. But they just used to dog white people out, like, really bad, say awful things to them. Like, they can't be saved. And I'm like, here I am not saved, but I do know that, you know, white people, everybody can be saved. You know, if they accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just, I felt really bad. And I felt like once I got saved, I really felt bad because they were abusing God's word. I mean, it's it's horrible what they're doing to scripture. They're twisting things and trying to make it appeal just for their belief. That is not godly at all. And right. someone yep. sent me that Facebook group page. And that's when I really got deep down. And someone sent me a, uh, a request to join the Facebook group. You oh, know, okay. the, yeah. Yep. The Hebrew Israelites and Christian discussion. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, well, that's when I just got really interested in to see what they were really saying to people. I mean, it, it's just bad theology. Yeah, it is. And uh damages people's lives. And, you know, what you said is part of the reason why, even though it's not real easy, myself and others and Kate up from time to time, go out there on the block to interact with them and um shout out to Jesus is the word as well, you know. Yeah. And uh, part part of the reason is uh just so the crowd and the listeners and maybe even the video later if there is one can hear a gospel perspective because these uh men open up their Bible, yell out a scripture, then misinterpret it and twist it into a, a uh, non gospel of hate and exclusion and vengeance and bigotry and prejudice and lust fulfillment, and we try to come and say, no, 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 no. Actually, that's not the gospel. So that's that's when we sometimes go out there on the street with them, and that's where I started realizing some things, and that's what we're going to talk about today, um, which is I've seen them grow not only in numbers in the camps, and this is the next thing we wanted to make sure we talked about. They've been growing in what you call influence, clout. On the street, right? And so I'm going to release a video either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, it's a little snapshot of this just because it's going to be called uh, Hebrew Israelites Run the Streets Help. And and what it's going to show is how uh, before when I used to go out there on the street, 
the average pedestrian kind of view these guys. I'm going to mute some of these mics. It's real loud. I'm going to mute these mics real quick and find out who it is. Um, the average pedestrian would view these Hebrew Israelites by and large as uh, a nuisance on the block. Like, and I don't just mean white folks, you know, I'm talking about the city first of all, so there's not as many of them, but you know, they get off the train too. But nonetheless, uh, Pretty much almost everybody it was like universal uh, annoyance. Like, y'all, man, y'all, y'all are crazy, and y'all are saying crazy stuff. People was not feeling it, right? 2011, 2012. Now when I go out there in the street, these guys have got a little following. And when I say little following, I don't just mean the members of the camps. I'm talking about people in the crowd who might even be about some other type of life. Like thug life type stuff, like you know what I'm saying, like on the real. But yet they view these guys as teachers of wisdom, keepers of of knowledge, and holders of of righteous truths, right? And so they may not really be on riding with them 100%, but they're starting to look up to these guys because it's almost like a slow burn. Look up that word, slow burn, that phrase. Slow burn is sometimes like something that takes a while to sink in, right? Um, uh, it could be an insult. It could be even likability. There's different ways, but the idea is it's kind of, and eventually it gets there. That's what's going on out here in the streets. It's almost like these folks ain't going to church, right? But they hear these Hebrew Israelites Saturday after Saturday in the block. And at first the ideas sound ridiculous, but the more they repeat him and the more, um, you know, kind of like, uh, they see growth and they see these dudes about, about it. It's almost like it, 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 it lends a plausibility to some of these wild ideas of the one Westers because that's really who's out in the street is the one West type Hebrew Israelite, and that's the one who traffics in hate and profits off of hate and division the most, right? And what happens is now you got common people who are starting to see it as plausible. And in this video, I got these dudes like identifying as black and African-American and Hebrew Israelites, and they don't even know what's what. But they're not even part of the camp. These are just dudes with their camera phones out who are interested in this and feel like you can get some truth and knowledge, even if these dudes don't hold to the Bible. Like I've interacted with these guys, and you'll see some of the video. You know, Not all of it's on there, but you have to fill in the blanks. But these dudes don't hold the scriptures authoritative, and yet they're viewing these guys as teaching some kind of legitimate knowledge and whatever, and, and they kind of feel like… They may not be riding with them, but they kind of want to have their back, and that's where the crazy part comes in because now more and more, if you try to step to these guys or disagree with them, and when I say step, that's what I mean. I mean you step up and you say, actually, that's incorrect. Here's the gospel. You know, Now these dudes who aren't um, as worried about how they act because some of the Hebrewsites know they want to be out there every week, so they can't wild up and be hitting people because then it makes it harder for them to be out there next week, so they generally mind themselves overall when it comes to physical stuff now i'm still not saying everybody you know well these other dudes ain't ain't feeling that they ain't in that mode but yet what have i seen every time i'm out there the hebrew israelites encourage these more ready-made violent dudes they'll egg them on i've never seen them want to stop something and this happened to me personally a number of times meaning somebody else in the crowd was getting mad that i was resisting the message right and they came up to me and try to start something multiple times, various times this happened. And um, part of me was perplexed, like, 
yo, but bro, you're not even riding with them. Like, why are you about, why are you telling me you're going to throw me off the block and why are you putting up fists and doing this and that? Well, you know, and they give their reasons and it's just almost like this automatic thing of, well, these dudes are angry. I'm angry. They're right. We're both angry and I'm not riding with them, but here you come disagreeing. And so I'm really not riding with you. And I, it's almost like they think it's a service to God to be these dudes' bodyguards. Like, I'm saying that's what's starting to happen. And you know what? The Hebrewsites are liking it because these are men who should never have power, right? And so they're starting to get a little bit of power, a little bit of taste of power. And they're, they're manipulating these dudes like puppets on a string. Now, I'm telling you this because if all you do is watch videos, you will never know the true sense of it, of the way these dudes are starting to control the block and stuff, right? And if all you do is like talk to these dudes on the phone or interact online, you never really understand what's happening on the ground. It's, and, not, and that's not a diss to you. I'm just saying you can't know the true sense of what it's like out there. But I'm telling you as someone who I'm not acting like I'm a soldier and I'm always out there. In fact, it's my ministry's increased in, in uh, awareness. It's become very difficult for me to go out there because the second they see me, they get real defensive now. But nonetheless, that's something I've noticed. Kata, uh, what about – you know? I've been, I've been kind of giving my perspective on it. Um, I'd like to hear what you have to say as far as uh, those comments go, bro. Yeah, man, you're uh, definitely right. Because <laughs> I've seen people that aren't in the camp, they don't really agree with what they're saying. But like you said, they're angry. And they're out there really to express their anger along with, with them. Uh, they even got the apocryphal verse, I think. I, I think it's in the apocryphal they'll use, like, you know, a righteous man, you know, you know, gets anger or something, something along those lines. Uh, but I had this one woman... Um, you know, me and some brothers are out there engaging, engaging them, and she just comes out of nowhere and just, she's just telling us to shut up, shut up. You know, we're like, who are you? Where did you come from? She's not with the camp, you know, but she wants to hear what's being said, and so she's attacking us now, you know. Right. It it, it, it just shows, like, what you're saying. Hey, yeah, it, it, it you have to be there to experience this side. I don't think it, you can't capture this stuff on camera, you know what I mean? It, it won't right. do, it just, do it justice. You have to be there to experience, and so some people may be like, "I don't see that in the videos," or some Hebrew Israelites who maybe don't—they never been to camp, you know. They're like, "Oh no, they lying," you know. It's like, well, this is something you have to be there to experience, right? And um, it's uh, it's crazy how they justify. It. I mean, for example, now I did see this one on video; it became famous, where uh, a drunk white guy is coming up being belligerent to Sakari, Sakari in San Diego, and he's uh, using racial slurs. Now, he's not hurting or whatever, but he's saying stupid stuff, to say the least, and, uh, you know, being a nuisance. And, you know, the campus is like, like, for example, the guy's like, well, one time a black person stole my wallet. He used a different word than black person. And uh, right. and the camp is like, oh, give it up for that person who stole this Edomite's wallet, that's what we're supposed to do because we're taking back what uh, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but I think you've seen it. If you watch it, he's like they say give a you know, clap, you know, for this person or whatever. And then out of nowhere, at the edge of the camera come these two dudes with masks on and uh give the dude a real quick beat down. You know, Baba, he drops to the ground, they kick him and they, they skirt off, right? And uh right. what happens? Sakari? Oh, Kwam Yasharala, Yahweh. They're all about it. Clap, 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 clap. Oh, look at our guardian uh, angels. These men were sent by Yahweh to do what? They, they were like interpret anything uh, like that. And when I was coming against this video saying, 
anybody that applauds this, there's no way they're a believer in Christ because they would never um, be applauding violence. Read Proverbs. It talks about the way of the violent man and the fool, and um, they would never be doing this activity that's out of the flesh and out of the spirit. And they had his ways to justify it. They were talking to me and saying stuff like this. It's no joke. How do you know those weren't guardian angels sent by Yahweh to protect these messengers right. of the Lord? And I'm like, like man, these dudes would like justify anything. Like, like right. for real? They're like, well, doesn't oh you don't believe in angels? Doesn't the Bible say that some have entertained angels unaware? I'm like, are you serious right now? <laughs> like, are you are you for well. real? Like, and then uh, when I was out there in in the flesh, and I don't mean in the flesh like acting crazy like them. I mean. Uh, person to person, voice to voice, face to face, eye to eye, uh, and they started tripping on me real bad. I turned to the camp and I was like, "How can you justify this behavior from yourselves?" Number one. Now I said it in different words, but I this was what I expressed to them. And how can you encourage others to act this way as well? And the one dude who was a reader got real mad. He's like, "Didn't Peter take his sword and cut off the ear?" Now he didn't say Malchus, but that's the guy's name. Malchus's ear when they came to grab him in the garden. I was like, "Yeah." And Jesus said, those who by the sword will die by the sword. He's like, no, right. man. It just goes to show you that you can't always step on an Israelite without us, you know, doing this. And we got the spirit of Peter. You're scared because we're warriors. And it's like, yo, that twists anything like uh, justifying Peter, even though Christ picks up the dude's ear, puts it back on, says, if you live this way, you're going to die this way. Like, did they right. miss that? Like, but that's what happened. <laughs> this is happening in real life. Now, someone's listening to this and thinking, well, why would you go out there? What's the reason? Um, now we don't go out all the time. We got families, whatever, whatever. But I think there's value in going out there. Uh, and I'll share this before we go on break and, and play a little song before we finish with the show. But Kata, what are some reasons that you go out there? Because if someone's like hearing this and they're like, "Well, just stop going out there," what would you be your response right. to that, Kata? Well, um, there's only so much <laughs> Facebook will allow you to really get into, you know. Um, so I guess that aspect, and two. Man, to show, hey, you know, one of the things they always complain about is that the Christians don't care. The Christians are in their, you know, drink in their church drinking their Starbucks, and they don't get out on the streets, you know. Um, so really to make an appearance to say, hey, look, no, I do care for you guys. I'm here to preach the gospel and proclaim it to you, you know. Um, that was one of, one of the things that IUI, IUIC uh, uh, captain said to me, like, you know, hey, man, now, why are you here? I was like, man, because I care for you, man. You know, I don't want to see you perish, you know. Uh, so with the false gospel, you know, it needs to be combated with the true gospel. That's just one aspect of it for me. I do, I do also uh, think that we've got somewhat of a model for this as well. Because if you look, right. uh, the Apostle Paul and the others made it a habit to drop into the synagogue and 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 uh, end up debating, and they knew that was going to happen. Once they would go to a, a verse in the Tanakh and say the, the this building in Yeshua, they knew that was the, those were kind of uh, theological fighting words, right? And so right. they did this not to have a fight, but to represent uh, the true fulfillment of the scripture to say, Nah, nah, uh, you know, you're reading this with a veil over your eyes. Let me show you uh, this man that you got crucified. That he actually fulfills this in Isaiah 53, in Psalm 22, in Genesis 3:15, then Micah 5:2, and Isaiah 9. You know, blah 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 blah. Isaiah 7. So that that type of thing, right? Well, they knew what was right. going to happen. Now, nonetheless, though, the Lord would use that to bring people unto Himself. 
and they also went to the way of the Gentiles. So um, Apostle Paul's on the run. Maybe he's not even planning it, but he looks around the city, Athens, sees all types of idols. His spirit is vexed. So someone's like, brother, man, can't help it, but he's got to say something and do something. So he starts speaking in the market, the Bible says, about the resurrection. Let me use this fool, man. It's getting real crazy out here, bro. He, he speaks about the resurrection, right? And uh, then they bring him before the Areopagus, and he's speaking to Stoics and Epicureans. My point is that this is all done in public, and it was contentious, not because the disciples and apostles wanted to be contentious like the one Westers, but because they understood that uh, presenting the gospel, no matter how it's done, can oftentimes result in that type of backlash and hostility. Now we're going to take a little break by playing a song here. But before we do, let me give you the number one more time because this is the time where you can call in and give comments or ask questions. 917-889-2233. That's 917-889-2233. And we are, of course, also at blogtalkradio.com slash shield squad. Be sure right now, do it. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you have an OS device or use Stitcher if you got a smartphone like that. And you can also do it through Tuned In Network. So there's multiple ways to make sure you snag every episode that we drop, which we do at least two a month. So that's our plan for 2018. Of course, you can listen live from the website, blogtalkradio.com slash shield squad. Be sure to check out our website, which is, you know, halfway under discretion, but it's got a lot of great links on it. Nonetheless, theshieldsquad.com. And then like us on Facebook at the shield squad. So there's a lot of ways to keep up with us on social media. And then you can find individual members links and whatnot. But let me play this song right here because earlier lasagna, AKA Carmel crunk. She asked about what about, the church preaching this prosperity gospel, messing things up, for example. Well, I don't know if she literally said that, but that's part of what I took away from the question. And so um, I got this song by Flame and Mike Real called Houses and Cars. And this joint's funny right here because they take that Oprah clip where it's like, you get a car, you know, and whatever, whatever. And uh, they kind of say that's the way these dudes run a prosperity gospel scheme. And so let me play this song since we were talking about it earlier. Then we'll come back and finish up this episode of Shield Squad Radio. You got three and a half minutes break right here, ladies and gentlemen. Allow me to apologize on behalf of my peace. A lot of method and came across the poor personality steep. A lot of it have been contradictory, a lot of it have been evil. A lot of moments in history can bring mystery to my people. Let's talk about that. Like how they do that, how they do that, ain't they say, ain't they say, how he do that, how he do that, ain't that crazy, ain't that crazy, don't he preach, don't she sing, in the choir for Messiah with the a lot of things have been real extreme, but let's consider the central thing. Is Christianity rational and reasonable for the human being? Yeah. Every religion and worldview has had much abuse and misrepresented it. Yeah. But the author of our faith in his perfection, he recommended it. Okay. And it's resurrection. My faith is validated by that empty grave. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I gotta say, I apologize for when you hear that preacher say. You get a house. Get a house. 
get a house. You get a car. Like he don't oh, get a house. You get a car. He ain't open. Uh. No. Look. It's an epidemic, plus it's something that man invented It's real easy to be quiet about, but I'm under oath like I'm on the Senate Yes, God is the boss, and yes, Jesus did pay the cost But that doesn't mean he'll take your bills and your student loans and just pay it off Please listen to my petition before you say that I'm stressing Cats don't even want the word of God, they come to church for financial blessings Hold up, so they promise houses, lots of money, living major They promise God wants to make you rich, but are we saints or investment bankers? Yes, I believe God gives freely. Yes, I believe he can do all things. But only according to his will and his purpose, they selling dreams. God's favor's not based on what he can put inside of your bank account. If you get a million, that's his favor. If you get a dollar, that's still faith. The Christian life is not defined by the cash about that we earn in life. The important things we store up are waiting for us in eternal life. God is sovereign, and he will give to whoever by his grace. But people still feel church seats like the Oprah show just to hear him say. You get a house, 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 but this just cannot be God, but this is how we see God, can't beat God, you get different, but it's funny how we treat God like he's so good a house, you get a car, you get a house, you get a car, you get a house, you get a car, you get a house, we treat God like he's so good a house, you get a car, you get 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 a house, What up, y'all? This is Vocabulary. You are listening to Shield Squad Radio. That was Flame and Mike Real. With a great song, Houses and Cars, people who uh, misuse the gospel that way get called out on that song. Now, you know, the prosperity gospel is one thing, but uh, real quick, let me just say, any of us can be guilty of doing a similar type of thing where we come to God, not for he himself and the beauty of his person and his glory alone, but for something we want out of him. It may not be houses and cars, but we perceive God almost as a means to our end. And guess what? Any given Christian can do that, right? You can come to God with a wrong intention. I'm not saying the Lord rejects you. I'm just saying we got to be aware of that as well. We don't only want to point the finger at the prosperity gospel because we're sinners as well. and got to watch out for that. Nonetheless, I believe Hebrewism does this exact thing. If God wasn't an angry God in their view who was going to destroy Edomites, I don't think they would come to God. In fact, what did that one dude say? If Jesus is white, then I'd be an atheist. One Hebrew Israelite said that. I think it might have been a deacon Hakah, so-called deacon. And so, um, now nah, we don't think Jesus is white, but let's just say he's one of those light, light-skinned Middle Easterners. They do exist, by the way. Let's just let's hypothetically say, no, nah, I don't think he was. Uh, they're going to be like, oh, <laughs> nope, don't believe in you, buddy. <laughs> right? These dudes, man, they, they tripped me out. So it shows you really the Lord of their desires is having to do with flesh literally has to do with flesh with that let me bring up six seven eight my man jordan ortiz of shield squad welcome to shield squad radio what up bro hey what's going on vocab how you doing hey man i know you just got out of work bro but i'm glad you could still call in nonetheless i don't know if you've uh heard much of what we've been doing today but let me just give you the synopsis of the show and then you can comment um 
once I bring up K-Dub, and then I'd like to hear what you got to say. Here's what we're saying uh, is that we want to sometimes step back as urban apologists and not just ask what are errors in a religious system, although we certainly do that. And what's the gospel answer, although we certainly do that. Sometimes we want to also look at the larger culture, trends, landscape, patterns, and all that and say, why is it the way it is? In one thesis, I guess you could say hypothesis at this point, is that angry cities, or you could say anger in the city, equals more Hebrew Israelites, meaning the more rage festers in a given city environment, the more likely one West Camps will experience increased growth and influence. And we've been sharing some of our real-life experiences from the streets to support this hypothesis because we're basically saying that, in essence, anger is a top-selling aspect of the Hebrew Israelism sales pitch as they talk to those who perceive themselves to be disenfranchised or oppressed or even truly are in certain instances. So uh, I made a little catchphrase when I was talking to Kata before this show started, and I said, you know what? Donald Trump is the best thing that ever happened to Hebrew Israelism because the climate, uh, whether it should be this way or not, is another question that is now in place more than ever, maybe in recent memory anyway, um, has helped, helped, been helpful to them because their religion – Rise off of people being upset and angry, and part of what I think the reason why these crowds on the street are starting to support them is because they perceive them to be angry too, and it's almost like them being upset about something, even if they don't even agree on the specifics in any way, gives them credibility in the audience's mind. That's what we've been experiencing. Now, I know you come out of a One West camp who has kind of a different approach and a little bit more – uh you know, GOCC style called the BOCC. Nonetheless, that's what we've been talking about today. So Jordan, um, I mean, I don't know if you um, have heard much else besides what I just said there, but I'd be loving to hear your thoughts on the matter. Nonetheless. Yeah. Um, yeah as far as, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it literally feeds on hatred. Uh, that's what the uh, Hebrew Israelism or being part of that, uh, those camps literally feed off of it. You know, to be completely honest, they feed off of the lust and passions of the individual. If the individual's uh, goal is to hate or to be angry, then Hebrewism, Hebrewism is uh, a perfect uh, religion to fit into because it feeds on the hatred of the individual, like I said earlier. Um, and just you're absolutely right when it talks about like the culture now is everybody's so focused on this, this this racism aspect, you know, black versus white, you know, so forth and so on, that what that does is it takes the focus off the real issue, which is sin. Uh, it's just uh, racism is just a symptom of the bigger picture, which, like I said earlier, is it just sin. So if an individual doesn't have a relationship with Christ or doesn't have a relationship with God, in, at least in general, then everything that's manifest within the heart of an individual is just going to be magnified. And Hebrew, Hebrew Israelism literally magnifies uh, what's in that person's heart already, uh, similar to the KKK, um, in which it actually magnifies, you know, that hatred within an individual. And the fact that Satan's working behind the scenes, because our fight as Christians aren't against flesh and blood, but it's against that spirit behind the person. It's against Satan and his demons. So, you know, Satan and his demons working behind the scenes to create all this aggravation and anger, and then it just manifests itself through the passions and, and the uh, – in a sense, the, the anger of the heart already there. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about yeah, that. Yeah, man. That's true. That's Ephesians 6 right there. And, in fact, when we close down the show, I think I'm going to play a Shylin song where he talks about spiritual warfare 
all around us, and sometimes, you know, we don't realize it. That's really what's going on, and uh, he has some really good stuff to say uh, from a very balanced perspective, that Shylin song about spiritual warfare, so be sure to check that out at the end of the show. I'm trying to look for the title. I just forgot the title of that song. Man, where'd it go? Well, anyways, nonetheless, um, I'm um, I'm um, glad you could join us, man, and uh, let me bring up real quick. Oh, yeah, Cosmic Powers. That's the name of the song. Uh, K-Dub. K-Dub, welcome, Jordan. Jordan, welcome, K-Dub. What's up? We got Shield Squad in the house. Hey, what's going on, bro? <laughs> what's up? Hey, uh, so I was earlier asking K-Dub about his most recent videos. Jordan, what's some of your most recent videos or interactions that people should definitely check out and see? Uh, well, over at uh, Servant of Christ Ministries on YouTube, I'm actually starting a series of live Bible studies, so you can guys check that out. Um, the next one is going to be covering uh, the topic of objective morality and how we can use it as followers of Christ to kind of cut through to the heart of the issue, which is, you know, the ultimate good and evil. Do they exist? And if they do, that is actually evidence for a God. So, you know, that's what we're doing now, and uh, hopefully coming later this year, I'm doing a verse-by-verse uh, video series on the book of Galatians, which is a perfect book against Hebrew Israelism because, in my mind, they're basically Judaizers. And so that's what the entire book of Galatians is about, and, you know, helping the individuals understand that salvation is not by works of the law, but by faith and belief in Christ and his finished work. Right. In fact, we began the show with Galatians talking about the fruit of the Spirit versus works of the flesh and wanted listeners to think about these one West camps out there on the street, um, does it look more like the fruit of the spirit or does it look more like <laughs> work of the flesh? And there's a couple key things I focus on, uh, especially out of that list, which are these ones right here. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. I mean, <laughs> that sounds like, that sounds like uh, the average um, GMS, you know, hangout session to me, to be honest. And uh, so uh, I think that uh, – and I'm just name one camp. I'm just saying that type of thing is really – it seems like one West traffics in. But, hey, we got a, a, a Shield Squad fellowship-based supporter, Carmel Crunk. And I just want to give you a chance to say what's up to Jordan if you're still on the line because I don't know if you guys have ever met. You've probably seen her around with Sonia Crutchfield, a.k.a. Carmel Crunk. You still with us, Carmel? Yes, I'm still here. And you know, Jordan, you know, I've jo- seen him around, Brother Jordan. Yes. Yeah, you've seen his stuff? <laughs> yes, we have had a hangout before, right, Jordan, Brother Jordan? Yeah, yeah, I was talking about that earlier, the uh, actual Bible study that we had. Oh, nice, all right. Yes. Okay, that's dope, all right, well, yeah, there's a lot going on, that's good news, though. Uh, I'm glad to see people active and, and holding it down and all that. Well, check this out, uh, GCOM was supposed to be joining, but I don't know where the, the brother is. I think he's had a situation pop up at work. So that is uh, too bad. Now, let me say one thing here uh, real quick. Um, check this out. Um, isn't it true that the righteous should be angry and sin not, as Scripture says, with true injustice, unrighteousness, wickedness of this world? And even the the evil that dwells in our own hearts, even. Well, I think we can answer the answer yes to that. I mean, if you look at the prophets, for example, when they would speak to the children of Israel, 
um, they would say, you know, you're not keeping the covenant with Yahweh, and there's going to be uh, repercussions for that. And one of the illustrations that they would give to say you're not keeping the covenant is how Israel was treating her poor and her oppressed and her disenfranchised, doing things like using dishonest, unequal scales and weights and measures, for example, and uh, strong usury practices and and all kinds of things, not observing jubilee, right, which was would which have been something that uh, would have been a relief to those in those types of economic hard times. So. We don't deny that, but that's not front and center of of Christianity is to be upset all the time about uh, injustices. That's not really what it is. It's this recognition that we're sinners before God and recognizing what God has done in Christ, reconciling the world to himself at the cross, and uh, then living that, that the truth of that message, what it means to recognize that out. And so uh, we do want to say that because – uh, you know, February is, is is called Black History Month, and if you look on my YouTube channel, I'm gonna put out a couple of videos uh, about that. One of them I already dropped. It's called a, a Christian View of Black History Month, and I'm gonna have some others because um, as you study uh, Black history, and I think the Christians should focus on Black church history because a lot of times uh, it gets overlooked, and sometimes people only know uh, Al Sharpton and Martin Luther King, and that's not right. There's a lot more people to know in the past and even in the present, like John Perkins, for example, uh, from this rich tradition. And I want to encourage people to, to use that opportunity to get into it, to celebrate what God has done in his church that sometimes got overlooked, and it's a beautiful thing. And so I think we can take that. Well, as you study that, you'll see a lot of injustice against people. For example, I'm reading a biography um, to my kids right now, Frederick Douglass, right? And man— the part I'm on right now is how uh, he had um, one person who was okay. You know, this is when he was still a slave, with him doing a um, a Sunday school to teach the other slaves the Bible. And the reason why they let Frederick Douglass do it is because he was the basically the only slave who could read, and he had some understanding of the Bible. He was a Christian at this time in his life. He had experienced conversion, and uh, they met one Sunday. And apparently things went good. You know, it was, of course, all black folks. They had to be out there in the barn, you know, that type of thing. But nonetheless, it was a beautiful opportunity for him to share from God's word directly to these slaves. Well, next week, guess who bursts in the door in the middle of the meeting? White folks, of course. And guess what? Not just any white folks. Some of the white folks who led the charge, what, who were they? They were religious teachers themselves, meaning they were supposed to be people who did Christian education and Christian instruction to people, but apparently they thought that uh, the Christian instruction education should only be done by white people for white people, and so they broke it up and busted it up. And from that time on, Frederick Douglass had to do secret Sunday school meetings for the slaves. Now that's a real injustice, and the list gets multiplied on and on and on. And I don't know how Brother Frederick Douglass ever forgave those people. I don't even know how he became a Christian of those circumstances. Now I do know, in the sense that the Spirit of God is powerful and miraculous, but you just see the challenge when people say, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but then you see what they got going on. It's real tough, man, real tough. Well, I mentioned that to say that we're not denying some of the uh, things that Hebrewsites might point out. Now, some of them are made up. You know, Some of the things they talk about are not even real, but some of the things they point to are real, and the church does need to step its game up in these areas. And I think um, you're starting to see some of that, 
And I do want to mention that uh, so we can be aware and have a gospel answer because bitterness and hostility and resentment and anger certainly are not the gospel answer and are not going to help the community. You know, that's the other thing. They, 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 they don't offer long-term solutions to blame and be angry. So I did want to say that before we close out so people don't get the wrong, wrong idea. Um, and we're allowed to have some different perspectives on this. I mean, I, I've got friends who, um, who uh, you know, think I'm too much in the middle one way or the other. But those are some of my thoughts on these issues at this time. And I'd like to hear, Jordan, you got anything to add along those lines before we kind of uh, close out here, brother? And then I'll see uh, what Carmel and Chris got to say. But what do you think about the, the fact? Because we talked about the angry you know, aspect of the city, but how it's not godly and it doesn't produce righteousness. But at the same time, we want to recognize there's some, uh, there is some messed up stuff happening as well. And I'd like to hear perspective on that perhaps. Yeah, uh, definitely. There are a lot of bad things happening, and a lot of it is attributed to Christianity. Uh, the one thing I want to say, and it's something I've been listening to in different hangouts that seems to be consistent, is that they'll take Christianity and say, well, Christianity is responsible for X, Y, Z. But they won't do that with their own worldview. For example, you know, if I was an atheist and I was preaching the gospel, I couldn't claim to be an atheist because it's contrary to my beliefs. Um, or even contrary to what I say. So it's a hypocrite. And Jesus Christ was the biggest attacker of hypocrisy throughout the scriptures. So an individual can seem religious, but be completely opposite. And as Christians, so when you look at slavery, Christians weren't responsible for slavery. It was people who probably pronounced themselves to be Christians, but acted contrary to the teachings that they pronounced. So I think it's important for us to know and not just say, well, Christians acted this way when in actuality it contradicts everything in the teachings of Christ. And I think we should be very aware of that as followers of Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, it looks like uh, she had a jam out. Uh, let's see what brother Kate, uh, oh no, she's, oh, Kate had to leave. Okay, my bad. Well, uh, Carmel, you know, you've been hanging out with us and it's been good. And so I'd like to hear, um, you know, that last kind of thing. If you have a perspective you would like to share about that as well. Lasagna, you still uh, with us? Got something to say? Yes, yes. There is a lot of anger, especially with uh, black people against white people because of what have happened over the years. But we shouldn't let this, they shouldn't minimize the person of Jesus Christ because of their right. anger. What they're doing is, you know, not following Christ. They claim to follow Christ, but you should know them by their fruits. And uh, we have to rejoice in our suffering. And, um, you know, with what's going on in the world, you know, with the police brutality, we have Donald Trump as a president, you know, a lot of what a lot of black people think about him. But we had a black president, and they were still angry, though. But um, the thing is, though, we just can't let – we can't be confirmed by the things of this world, you know. We have to – our minds shouldn't be like this world's mind. If black people are suffering and, you know, there's racism against us, we cannot let that affect us, especially our relationship with Christ. We have to stay in Christ no matter what, you know, and they seem like they went looking for something. They look, went looking for people that's as angry as they are. They joined the cult, and it shouldn't have been about, it should have been about Christ. That's all. Right. But there Amen. That's angry. good. That's why I try to tell my conservative Christian friends, though, to be more sensitive to, right. you know, black issues. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I think that's something that doesn't need to be heated. Good, 
Good. Thank you very much, Carmel, for that. That's good right there. Uh-oh, looks like we got Neeson Cran in the house. What's up, my man? Neeson Cran, Show Squad members. We got him on the line. What's up, bro? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I can. Check this out, man. Um, We've been talking, and we're winding down, and we've been um giving personal experiences that kind of support this hypothesis that part of what makes Hebrewism be growing and influencing numbers in the current climate is basically – uh, anger and rage festering in the city. And, uh, you know, that last part, we just talked about things that truly are unjust and what should be a Christian reaction to them. Now, I'd like to transition, if you're willing to do this, and I can give you a second to think about it, but I think it'd be interesting to ask a person who comes of Jewish descent this type of question. And what I mean is, um, there's all kinds of people in history, and even in the modern era, that if you're uh, Jewish, that you've got to forgive before you can kind of move on in this gospel thing, or otherwise you'll spend a lot of your life being bitter. Meaning, um, not from a different angle or a different perspective, would you be able to share anything you'd have to say about, you know, when things really are truly unjust and horrible, what our gospel response need to be? And if we don't do that, what can be some of the negative things that can happen? In the face of injustice, obviously there's a Holocaust, but it's not like that was the first thing done against, uh, you know, your folks or the last. So I'd be curious to hear that type of angle on this issue, if you're willing to share. Sure, no problem. Um, let me. Can, can I preface it with a real life story? Excellent. Yes, sir. Um. I was at a, a missions conference a number of years ago, and, and, and it's a dear sister who, who I actually get along with, but, but she was actually a, a German national. And uh, she had made the comment that, that she was kind of sorry what happened related to the Holocaust, but they all should have just left anyway. Oh. Uh, and she was living in the United States at the time as a German national. So she right. was actually an immigrant commenting on the fact that Jewish people should have left Germany because they weren't really Germans. Right. And save themselves the trouble of the Holocaust. So it's like a classic uh, blaming the victim scenario there and perhaps missing the irony of one's own situation in the process. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, I had to consider, I had to consider very carefully uh, a response uh, to her, uh, obviously, to uh, having family there um, was a little uncomfortable, too. Um, I had to realize, too, that given her nationalism, given her her um, her desire to 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 not have to feel all the weight uh, that she was essentially putting up a, a barrier to to protect her own heart. And, and I think that when we're dealing with injustice, we have to remember that injustice always harms the perpetrator. Very easy right. to look so, at the, for example, the victim. Like, uh, for example, SS prison guards in the camps who uh, would otherwise seem to be relatively well-functioning normal human beings who, because of a certain expectation and other factors, uh, were willing to take part in horrendous, horrible activities – and uh, how that damages them as well. Yeah, yeah. Sin hurts the sinner. 
it, and, and we always have to keep in mind that, that although we aren't seeing the effects of that, that, that sooner or later, um, the attitudes that allow for me to dehumanize someone else will ultimately dehumanize me. And, and that's a perspective that we need to keep in mind in our anger. We need to, to, to understand that, that that image bearer is also wrecking himself. And that God is involved with a great cosmic reclamation project. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't know um, the exact phraseology, but unbelievably, um, Frederick Douglass, again, I mentioned how I'm reading uh, one of his biographies now. <clears throat> he somehow I was able to recognize that the oppressive, wicked system of slavery in the United States, obviously the number one victim uh, in this in the human level are uh, folks of African descent. But he realized, even in the midst of being a slave, being mistreated, being starved to death, flogged weekly, you know, the list goes on of the experiences, which is just shameful, he was able to recognize that the system of slavery even negatively affected the so-called masters and overseers and mistresses in the system as well. Now, I don't know if I would be able to have such a level head if I was, uh, you know, in his shoes, so to speak. But nonetheless, he was he was able to uh, recognize that, and I always thought that was amazing. If you read through uh, his writings and, and speeches, that he said that, and uh, there's some truth to that. But I mean, what what might you want to say about the issue of forgiveness and vengeance and bitterness against injustice in relationship to the Christian and the gospel? Um, from your perspective, uh, do you have anything else you could add to that? Yeah. I, I think there's a, a twofold uh, because the message of the gospel is redemptive for all. Uh, the Christian has an obligation to meet injustice where he or she finds it and to speak out against it because you cannot have the creation reflect its creator without the, the wickedness of injustice being exposed. So that is necessary. Um, and so we can't just turn a blind eye and feel good in our salvation. We aren't given permission to do that either. Yeah, let, me give a great, need... let me give one verse on that Go real ahead. quick. Now, there's tons and tons of verses. Just so, uh, you know, we've, we've dropped some Galatians and Ephesians and some other passages here. But let me bring up something that, that shows that, that that thinking right there is a biblical thinking. It comes from the book of Psalms. And it's Psalm 82.4 in most English translations here. And um, uh, actually, let me start up here in verse, verse um, 2 here. Here's what it says. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. And here's the key verse I really wanted to read. It says this. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And that's a great verse. I mean, that's the type of verse, deliver them from the hand of the wicked, that I think would make it justifiable to uh, mislead Nazis as you would hide Jews, you know, in Poland, or to mislead slave catchers as you held runaway slaves in your basement type of thing. You see what I'm saying? So I just want to show that that's a biblical principle. But go ahead, Nissan Cran, continue on, my man. Yeah. Um, the other thing we need to realize is that, is that um, while human beings – 
uh, face an ultimate just judgment. You cannot fix the sin of the past by penalizing the present. Uh, that's a very important thing because our society seeks to sometimes penalize um, individuals who were not part of that slave system for things that their forebearers may have done. And you can't get to, justice. Justice does not work backward in time. This is not a Doctor Who episode. Um, so we, we need to be very careful and realize that someone's wrongs against me are their wrongs against me in real time and space, uh, not the wrongs of their great-grandparents. We need to separate out those issues. Nations uh, are judged temporally, but individuals are given account eternally. And we have to be careful of, of trying to go back in time and redress grievances, too. It's the reason that I don't expect a reparation uh, check from Germany. I don't expect right. a reparation check from Spain. Uh, and we have to be careful about that. You can't get justice for, for wrongs that were done generationally before you. It does not work. Yeah, the desire, of course, uh, for true justice, um, the, the, the correct version of that, I believe, comes out of us being crafted in the image of God, you know, the Imago Dei, because God is a just God. Now, the problem is our sin taints that true desire. And gets all carried away, and that's why an eye for an eye, two for tooth was actually a balancing to that system because it didn't allow for overboard. It allowed for equality and punishment, meaning the punishment within the crime in Lex Talionis. But nonetheless, um, we see that there's this desire that we would like to have to sort it all out kind of thing. Um, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to have just systems and all that. It doesn't mean that. But nonetheless, we got to understand that uh, there is really an ultimate uh, judge and an ultimate justice. And uh, there's many, many things that would not be rectified until then. And I, I think, uh, yes, we look at systems and people, and perpetrators, but again, these types of discussions, I believe, are always excellent times for us to stop and examine ourselves and say, uh, what's my role in this? What's my attitude towards this? Because the reason why I say that is not to minimize what's happening in society and all that, but it allows us to not be hypocritical if we do that more and not to get self-righteous, you know, and conceited. And also, uh, really, uh, I don't really have a lot of control over a slave trade in a country in, in, in um, you know, the Middle East right now. Like I, I, but God has given me uh, uh, some control over what I'll do with my own thoughts and actions and deeds and words, meaning we start there because uh, we're responsible for that in regards to our sanctification. Uh, but uh, – I don't know. I think there's some good practical advice there. Well, let me see. Uh, Jordan, you're with us. I'd like to hear if you got any closing thoughts, my man, as we wind the show up. Hopefully we came full circle, but we want to help people analyze these trends about Hebrewism growing. Hopefully they understand it is. They're getting more clout on the street, and we wanted to offer one reason why we think that is. But, Jordan, my man, anything to add to any part of the conversation? Go ahead, my man. Yeah, definitely. Um and one psalm that always helps me, and uh, for any individual who's struggling with oppression or seeing that the wicked are prospering, um, if you read the entire book of Psalm 73, uh, right. verses 1 through 15, he talks about things that are happening to him and happening to his people and how he sees the wicked prospering. But then he, verse 15 and 16 is kind of like the kicker. Uh, basically, he says, 
when I tried to understand all this, it was it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. So when he's focused, what he's focusing on here is all the oppression happening to his people, and and this is Asaph talking in that psalm, and he's fo- so focused on why are the basically why are the wicked being treated great as if they've never committed a sin? Why what's going on? Why there all of this injustice is going on? And then he says, but then I consider their end. So proper perspective is what's going to help us as individuals, as Christ, as, you know, no matter where you come from. If you understand that oppression is going to happen, but also understand that judgment will also happen, which means we are going to be redeemed into, the, into, uh, into Christ and that all wicked and evil will be ju- – that's, that's a great reason to believe in God, that all this evil is not just something that just disappears into nothingness, but that is actually judged. And this gives us strength as believers in Christ to pursue or, or to uh, kind of endure the difficult circumstances we go through. So to anyone going through any oppression of any kind, uh, no matter how big or small, Psalm chapter 73 is a great encouragement for uh, believers. Hey, that's good stuff. So uh, I got everybody's phone lines open, Carmel and Nissen. You guys got anything to add before I close out? Um, oh, Nissen, could you share briefly – in case we've got any Phoenix-based listeners, about the conference you'll be part of at the end of this month. Sure. Uh, We've got an excellent conference dealing with uh, Islam and evangelism. Um, It's a two-day conference. Uh, It's going to be really exciting. The Friday night is um, at Hillside Southern Baptist Church. Uh, which is at uh, 1344 West Thunderbird, uh, and uh, that's from 6.30 to 9. And then Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 at the First Arabic Church, 2232 West uh, Campbell, and we're going to have testimonies and some workshops, speakers, uh, of which I am one, and then some other excellent speakers. And, and I know you, Vocab, will be helping with the workshops and probably doing even more than that. Uh, before everything sugars off. And so it's going to be an exciting time, the 23rd and 24th. And I think there's even going to be some uh, some actual outreaches that's going to go on during that time period. So I'm excited. Yes, you are correct. And um, you'll be with us Saturday, the 24th, I believe, at First Eric Baptist Church. And if you want to find more information for this event, because uh, this is an apologetic issue, uh, go to First Eric Baptist Church here on, on Facebook. And also uh, Twitter, Arabic Baptist AZ. But uh, this issue you're going to be speaking on relates to Hebrew Israelism and a number of other things. What's going to be the topic of your talk, Brother Nissen? I'm going to be talking about the evidence for the Trinity in the Old Testament. And yes, it actually does uh, relate to uh, more than just Islam. So it's really kind of exciting to see God. Uh, use uh, defense of an important truth in, in many directions at the same time uh, to uh, to spread his gospel and uphold his word. Yeah, it relates to Judaism, of course, and Hebrewism as well, even religions like Jehovah's Witnesses. So I'm glad you'll be sharing that on Saturday. But I'm glad you could join us, brother. Good to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And yo, Jordan, man, I'm super glad you're able to join us. It's good to have no you problem, on, brother. brother. And uh, Carmel Crunk, hey, I'm glad you made it, and it was fun talking to you. 
Thank you. I was glad to be here. Thank you. All right. And shout out to my man K-Dub. And as promised, I'm going to play the Shylin track about what we really wrestle against, and it's not flesh and blood. I mean, the track is Cosmic Powers. Shield Squad Radio is out. See y'all at the end of this month when we do our second show. God bless. Peace. Yeah, there's a war going on outside, no man is safe from You can run, but you can't hide forever And most people don't even know they're in danger They've been around a long time, they know human nature Cosmic powers over this present darkness Heartless with smartness, targeting the narcissist The leader is Satan, the valor with the snare The Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air The lowercase god of this world, a reign of terror Tempting people to make one or two major errors One is saying that he's not responsible for anything The other is saying that he's responsible for everything So one part of the church, all they do is speak on them The other part is just as bad, because they sleep on them So in light of second Corinthians 2.11 I wrote this song and I'm addressing it to the brethren Cause the devil's lurking and he's prowling in the night Seeking whom he may devour on sight He's subtle and he's clever, full of malice and spite He might even come as an angel of light So how you gonna stand, bro? How you gonna fight? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might How you gonna stand, sis? How you gonna fight? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might Yeah this invisible war has a lot of effects yeah. And Jews says show these dudes their proper respect They operate powerfully, it's deep fam, you gotta see The world flesh and devil form the three-man camaraderie Satan uses the world to tempt the sinful nature The power of suggestion is how they infiltrate you yeah. There's no new magic, the tricks of our nemesis Old school tactics depicted in Genesis I guess if it ain't broke, then why try to fix it? If the song is a hit, you ain't gotta remix it He makes debate sweet but always hides the hook and his top priority is that we deny the book right. tactic one the bible keep you from reading it and if you're reading it he'll try to keep you from believing it if you're believing it he'll try to keep you from obedience or speaking it he's got temptations for every season kid satan is the tempter he wants to abuse you after you sin the tempter becomes your accuser and christians in the public eye here's an important principle you become more vulnerable the more you're visible i mean come on if peter and David can fall Doesn't that need to be a wake-up call for us all? These powers are lethal We're feeble, not equal So Jesus said pray that God would deliver us from evil Cause the devil's lurking and he's prowling in the night Seeking whom he may devour on sight He's subtle and he's clever Full of malice and spite He might even come as an angel of light So how you gonna stand, bro? How you gonna fight? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might How you gonna stand, sis? How you gonna Fight. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Yeah, man, I really need longer than three verses. Right. The serpent's chief purpose must be to deceive churches. Yeah. He wants to keep the Christian's joy and peace at a minimum. He's always standing on one side, ready to swing the pendulum. For those who minimize truth, he'll burden them with heresy. For those who emphasize truth, he'll turn them into Pharisees. One generation, he'll tempt them to be legalists. Right. The next generation, he'll tempt them to be heatonists. One clear evidence the devil has done his business. Uh-huh. It's when the church walks in bitterness and unforgiveness For those who pridefully act hard and tough Satan will call you bluff You'll end up with scars and scuffs So now that we've been convinced How can we resist? The key to this is found in Ephesians 6 
14 through 18, it mentions seven keys, yeah. heavenly necessities, precious remedies, it must first be said, uh-huh. that on the cross as Jesus hurt and bled, he was really crushing the serpent's head, yeah. through faith his perfections ours, his resurrection power, yeah. will keep us from being devoured in the deadly hour, Jesus modeled for us how we should do war, with the true sword, the you can find it in Luke 4, yeah. the last thing to remember, Jesus defeated Satan, so let us frequently seek the Savior in secret, secret prayer, cause the devil's lurking and he's prowling in the night, seeking whom he may devour on sight, he's subtle and he's clever, full of malice and spite, he might even come as an angel of light, so how you gonna stand, bro, how you gonna fight, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, how you gonna stand, sis, how you gonna fight, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.